Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mmm, 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 mmm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. Our, Did you just uh, say nope, that it's a shame we're not recording? Oh no, yeah. the movie's okay. Yes. yes. Uh, let's uh, let's hop in, shall we, gentlemen? Shall uh, we, gentlemen? Uh, the name of our new podcast. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> For listening to Trilove, a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw or people we met at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. My name is Jason Daphnis. I'm a, oh, what does she say? I'm an anthropologist, huh? And you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. <laughs> I forgot uh, to do a quote, but I'll just say, fucking A. I'm Harry <laughs> Mack, and you can find me on Twitter at Chitaki Harry. And I'm Aaron. Oh my God, what have I done? You can find me on Twitter at RB, please. <laughs> Uh, this is our podcast, and you can find it on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find the Triline at Triline Cinema and at Triline.org. Uh, we got tickets to the movie we're about to uh, see on that website, and you can get tickets to any movie that plays at the Triline on Triline.org. Uh, today, we thought we would follow up our uh, incredibly dour, incredibly introspective uh, short <laughs> series on two uh, underseen films by um, Andrei Tarkovsky. We had Mirror, and we had The Sacrifice. Uh, and we figured as a natural follow-up to that, we would cover Lady Terminator from 1980. 88 and i will let aaron take it away with a quick summary yeah uh lady terminator uh, as you mentioned 1988 directed by some mispronunciations gonna happen here uh h tajut jal jalil probably um indonesian director who uh fun fact uh also plays the uh mystic old man who is the main oh, female yeah. leads uh, oh, really? a grandfather in the film yeah he he has his die uh, he, he dies by close. having his dick shot off yes <laughs> hell yeah you love yeah, a director yep. that can do that yeah, he gets he gets shot in the dick like a hundred times. Um, this movie stars a number of people. Uh, Barbara Ann Constable uh, as Tanya, who is the uh, the Lady Terminator. Uh, Christopher J. Hart plays Max McNeil, and Claudia Angelique Rademacher as Erica. Um, the film tells the story of the South Sea Queen, an evil woman who kills men uh, by having sex with them and uh, cutting off their penises with a snake uh, that lives in her vagina. Uh, Yep, a uh, man defeats the South Sea Queen by capturing her, uh, but not before she vows to take revenge on the man's great-granddaughter. Um, years later, an anthropologist named Tanya is possessed by the South Sea Queen uh, while on an expedition and goes on a killing spree in an attempt to kill the great-granddaughter of the man from the beginning of the film. Um, she is an upcoming pop star named Erica, who was helped uh, by a number of people, but mainly by an American police officer named Max. Um, the film was uh, actually a, a pretty expensive uh, Indonesian film, one of the more expensive ones at the time. Uh, an interview I read with with Barbara Ann Constable, she says it was the most expensive one at the time. I don't know if that's that's true or not. Um, in recent years, it has, has kind of gone on to be considered a uh, cult classic, uh, you know, kind of, popular outside of indonesia as well lots of midnight showings things of that nature uh, many people have pointed out the uh, very obvious ways that it rips off uh, james cameron's 1984 film the terminator um combining essentially Whoa. the plot of that film 
Right. What what comparisons? Right. Very surface level here. Uh, it, it combines like all of the plot beats of that film with uh, Indonesian folklore, specifically that of another mispronunciation coming. Uh, Nyai Roro uh, Kidul, uh, who is the, the queen of the Southern Sea, now the Indian Ocean, um, couldn't find anything specifically about her specifically cutting off men's penises with a, a vagina snake. Uh, but there are kind of the mythology sort of between the lines, but it's in there. You just have to sort of like metaphorical, know, maybe yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of the stories around her have to do with, uh, you know, uh, killing men who who fall asleep on beaches, um, you know, kind of changing mm-hmm. appearances in order to trick people, possessing people, a lot of that. Um, there's also, a, I think also worth mentioning, a 1982 film called The Snake Queen, uh, which is playing around with a lot of the same stuff. So I, I think there's maybe elements of kind of mythology and folklore in Indonesian culture um, that is, is kind of combined with this, uh, uh, you know, kind of copy of of the terminator um so yeah that's that's the film uh interesting watch experience jason what did you think it sure was um you know there my initial reaction to this is to like try to see it as monolithic try to see it as like its own thing just because i know that like it is very clearly what it is and i want to take a left turn from that in trying to expand my own like critical vocabulary of it it is very hard to do that clearly but um i feel like what i where i settled was that i i do quite like this movie i quite like the experience of watching it i quite like how it's put together i like how like messy it is and just so strange like going back to make gifts for this uh episode was like this shot leads directly into this shot, which makes no like logical uh, continuity sense, you know, like, Oh, she's shooting at max in the police station. And then literally the next shot is just her walking alone with the gun. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, it's bizarre, but, um, I settled on that. There is no like better version of this movie, not even Terminator. I don't think that the Terminator is a better version of this movie. And I don't think that this is a worse version of Terminator. It's like, I feel like it's exactly what it's supposed to be. It is sort of like creating its own identity. It's leveraging, you know, very heavily exploitation tropes against like a mammoth blockbuster of four or five years before this movie came out Um, to call it a ripoff or, uh, you know, I saw, I think Wikipedia called it a mockbuster is I think to downplay just how like confidently and carelessly it even borrows from the, you know, the barest plot of Terminator, which to me makes like the way that it does that, that's, that's what makes it feel like a fun new experience rather than it being a ripoff or, you know, sort of like being a uh, rehash or like just a, you know, more gaudy, um, tacky spin on the movie. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I could probably be convinced, but I'm not sure it goes so far as like commentary or satire, or even like being a uh, self-aware film, excuse me, filmmaking, but it does end up being quite fun. I feel like there is potential there. Um, and Hey, if our podcast isn't going to do it, who is, um, I feel like there is potential there to read way more into it than there actually was on the screen. Um, Here we go, you know, buddy. like, like I mean, just like just looking at the bare parts of it, there's clearly like, you know, the um, uh, the uh, vagina dentata whole the whole thing. There's the you know picture of American pride uh, in Max, all M16s and quips and toxic masculinity and virility and all that. Like there is I don't know much about U.S. Indonesian relations, especially in the late 80s. But I feel like there is, you know, there there's a cultural cooking uh, pot that this came out of. And I would love to know more about it so we can maybe put together a good, a good take or two. But, um, I mean, like it's just telling that I quite enjoyed it, but like the most basic element of the plot, um, being like, I think it's the hundredth granddaughter of the man who offends the 
South Sea Queen by removing the snake from her vagina and turning it into a dagger. Um, the one hundredth, his one hundredth granddaughter is cursed, uh, and that like concept is incredibly slippery throughout the film. That to the point where like Aaron and I were at odds slightly over who was the cursed granddaughter, whether it was Talia or Erica, like, cause they're both sort of positioned mm-hmm. as main characters. I don't know. It, it was still very fun. And like reading back the summary, it is clear that like Erica is in fact the hundredth cursed granddaughter. And that's, you know, she's got this jewel of protection and stuff. Apologies. I've got a truck outside my window um, and it's way too hot to not have a window open. Uh, but I will let that be an off ramp um, from my um, thoughts. But uh I'm going to pull, I guess, my my late 50s era model uh, vehicle, kind of dinged up and banged up. I'm going to pull it in this parking lot and crack open a few beers with my buddy Harry and find out what he thinks about this movie. Hey, thanks, bro. Uh, yeah, so sort of two ideas. I want to go off of what Jason was talking about because I actually do read some satire into this that, that's pretty fun and leverages um, the exploitation and trashy qualities of this movie to, to some fun effects. Right. Um, but first of all, I should say that like, I, I really enjoy this movie. It was kind of a brush of breath of fresh air for me. Right. Like it's a, it's a rarity on this podcast that we get to talk about something that is just like complete joyful garbage. Right. And this is like a legendary version of that. Um, I think I like it more than I like the sort of traditional, ultimate trash movies like your uh, room or your troll Two, because I think this the movie is more joyful and more happy than those movies are where like, you know, mm-hmm. the room is obviously a deeply misogynistic movie, which kind of makes it hard to watch even ironically. Um, but uh, all that is to say that like, it's so funny. Like this movie is so horny for everything. And it's like, not just for exploiting women or objectifying women, but also for like virile mas- machismo American masculinity and like the, the Kung Fu movies of the 1970s and 60s and like the overpowered, oversaturated um, films of like Michael Mann or like um, even the, the police story movies. Like it, this is, it's such an id driven movie, right? Where it's like, there are so many scenes in this movie that were just there because like the, the director was like horny for them. Right. Like the Mm -hmm. lady Terminator herself is like the most objectified character, maybe in like film history to like a hilarious extent, but they also like are just as horny for body horror where she's concerned and where everyone's concerned. Um, And they just, it's, it exalts in the gore and the, silliness to the point where like there's like a in overload uh john woo scene in the middle of this movie right where like they looked at the terminator police station and they were like hey you know what would be even better if this scene was 16 times as long and she shot so many people that the movie stops making sense because (laughs) uh like continuity just breaks down and she's just ripping open doors and shooting people and you just you don't even see the people die you just hear groans right it's so funny like i just i don't know i had a real blast watching this um and to speak to your point a little bit jason i think that there is a really funny point here about sort of a satirization of like the the human condition and uh masculinity in general in the sense that like nobody in this movie learns anything like this movie takes to its logical extreme the sort of like why are they still shooting at this woman if their bullets aren't doing anything we're like I think more guns are shot in this movie than in any of the John Woo movies that I've ever seen and they're only shot at somebody who will not be affected by them right like their this whole movie consists of these american army men like running back and forth shooting m16s which is another like symbolic weapon right at the lady terminator who is not affected by them at all and then just mows them down and by the end of the movie they just keep doing that and then eventually um 
the granddaughter uses the dagger to defeat the Lady Terminator, and then they they all go home, right? And they like they patch themselves up and they say, "Fuck yeah, we did it!" And it's like you didn't do shit. Like everybody died, and like nobody learned anything from this experience. And like <laughs> if the Celci Queen resurrected tomorrow, we would do all this again, right? And she would chomp everybody's dicks off all over again because like nobody can help themselves. Everyone is like this libido machine. Everybody is just this horny, stupid like machoed up cop dude and everybody just wants that they want to live in that right and and the movie itself is is subjects itself to that same parameter right where it's saying like hey like isn't this the best like don't you actually want this like even if your dick is gonna get chomped off like aren't you glad you're doing this right now like watching this movie and it's like yeah i am actually like this this was extremely fun to watch and hilarious and you know, I mean, the Celci Queen would chomp my dick off, I guess, but that's how it works. Uh, and now I am, um, I'm going to cut my eyeball out because it, it has been damaged and I'm just going to sort of wash it in uh, the sink in my hotel room and then put it back in. And uh, not only will that give me um, the use of my vision again, but it will also p- perhaps give me laser eyes. It's not exactly clear when I develop the ability to shoot laser eyes, but needless to say, I do acquire that ability at some point, and I'm going to use it on Aaron now. This is me using my laser eyes on Aaron. Beep, 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 beep. Uh, yeah, look, look, folks, I usually uh, usually uh, peek back behind the trial of Curtain. Uh, I usually write my summary beforehand, and then um, while other people are kind of giving their... <laughs> thoughts on the film i will i will write down some notes on on what i thought and then i'll kind of list that as my my thoughts on the film uh when it's when it's my turn um i i don't really have i don't really have too much here uh folks i'm kind of riffing this one uh here's what i here's what i got uh so the first thing uh I, i think to harry's point um yes i think it is it is a true pleasure when we get to watch a film like lady terminator uh you know at the trial on but also kind of discuss it on the podcast i do one thing we kind of talked about going into recording this is kind of a little bit of apprehension like how are we gonna kind of handle talking about this in a weird way um you know i know we've done episodes in the past right that are that are similar um black magic 2 is probably the closest one uh that we've talked about we did an episode on Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, brother. Well, that uh, this is, is a much rich better text. movie than Hobbs and Shaw. Yes, this is yeah, yeah. So this this is a much much better movie uh, than Hobbs and Shaw. Um, but even like things like Mask of the Red Death, I think is is similar in some ways. Um, the John Woo films, which Harry brought up, uh, specifically Hard Target, I think would be one that I would compare. Yeah. Right? I think it's it is truly great to uh, be able to watch a, a really just enjoyable, campy, cheesy movie like this, and then. Um, try and try and talk about it uh uh in an interesting way but i do think there is a lot to talk about here it's just maybe not the kind yeah. of standard stuff um so while while digging um i did uh, uh kind of come across um there's an interview it's not a lot written about this film but there is an interview with uh barbara ann constable who uh, as mentioned before plays the uh the lady terminator herself um and I think it's kind of a fascinating interview that kind of peels back the the production uh, behind this film, or at least how it was for her, um, kind of, you know, not an Indonesian uh, actress, but someone who was kind of brought in um, in order to kind of be the main character here. She was 
certainly treated, I think, differently than a lot of people uh, on the set. And there's some kind of interesting and kind of problematic racial politics there. Um, yeah. but, but her description of, you know, working on the film was, I think, generally kind of lighthearted, um, but also very serious. There were a lot of uh, she so she did a lot of her own stunts, which is one thing that's often not talked about with this film. But they had a stuntman kind of near the end of the film. Uh, and she got injured like three or four times doing different things. She, uh, for example, there was a scene where she's supposed to kick in like some some candy glass and it was just real glass. Uh, and she like cut up her leg and had to go to the hospital for like four weeks. Yeah, she she almost got um, she almost got like hit by a car that was exploding. Uh, there was a scene where the scene where she's on the, the boat, she like bent down to pick up something. And a part of the boat like fell over and missed her only because she was ducking down for a second. So you're um, telling me that this wasn't the safest set. It wasn't exactly uh, Osho approved in the making of yeah, this film. The Screen Actors Guild or, you know, whatever uh, a Hollywood union might have had some issues uh, <laughs> if, if they had learned about this, if this was a Hollywood production. Um, but all that is to say that, like, you know, th- this this seems a bit like a messy shoot. And I think the film kind of reflects that. But I do think there are a lot of ways that this film actually, like, very clearly uh, uh, kind of keeps pace with a lot of uh, specifically like American um, action films at the time. Right. Um, I'm not going to say that this is like as uh let's say professionally made as a film like the Terminator, uh, you know, which was four years before this Terminator two is in three years is like uh, one of the films that like really elevates, I think, you know, action filmmaking. Um, but like, there's a lot of shit in this movie that like is really, really enjoyable to watch and feels very physical and real. Um, and you know, it's not the, the, I, beams that are kind of shooting out of her eyes and kind of making people explode. Um, But this does feel like a very physical movie. There's a lot of people being gunned down. There's a lot of blood that looks, if not very real, then at least very movie-like in a very fascinating way. Um, It's, it's a, I think like genuinely a very good action movie um, in, in a lot of ways. Um, And so I, I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, I think the other thing is I really enjoyed um, watching this uh, on my couch with Jason. We were just kind of kicking back and, uh, just kind of making quips. Um, I'm curious about the theater experience for this one because this is the kind of movie where I would want to physically and verbally react to stuff. And I don't know if sometimes movie theaters are good for that. Sometimes they're not. So may- maybe Harry can kind of speak to that a little bit. Um, but yeah, th- this movie kicks ass. I see why this is kind of thought of as like a classic um, kind of B movie, kind of kind of camp movie. Um, really, really great time watching it. <laughs> Yeah, real quick, I just like you commented on the pacing, Aaron, and I I really want to explore that point a little bit because I think that this movie is like really well paced until it isn't, right? Like, I think that, like you said, it it keeps pace and it moves really well. And like, it clearly has like a developed storyline with a three act structure and with movement. It's just that once this, once the movie hits its action scenes, it rejects the idea that it needs to be plotted correctly. And it just has giant action set pieces where it's like, I mean, I how, said, how big can a police station be? Right. Well, exactly. you know what I mean? She's in there for like fully a third of this movie. It feels like, right. And then the chase scene is just as long. The final shootout sequence at the, uh, um, airport, which is like kind of torturous in my opinion, because of how drawn out and ridiculous it is, but not in a bad way. Um, all of that happens, but like there, the, the beginning of this movie like really moves. Right. And like you get to see the actual origins of the self sea queen and it like sets up the thematic stakes to follow. It feels like seven different movies at once because like in the beginning of this movie, you're following this 
appropriative white anthropologist on her sort of like thesis. Uh, and she's like flirting with the boatman sort of, and like trying to convince him to take her there. And then by the end of this movie, you've almost forgotten that that ever happened. Um, there's a music video in the middle of this movie that includes like four full fucking verses of a song, which is just it's wild. Good. It's a good song. <laughs> it's a good song, dude. It's a bop. It absolutely is. And, um, also like, a super classic like uh trash movie thing where like they clearly didn't have appropriate audio equipment on the actual set so even though it's an english language film they had to adr back in every single line and oh boy does it show right like none of the there is no directionality to any of these voices they're clearly trying to match to their own lip syncing and like not doing a particularly great job and so like it it sounds like one of the spaghetti westerns in the sense that like all of these people are like clearly not native English or in the spaghetti Western sense, they weren't English native English speakers. I think a lot of the actors on this obviously were, but like, and so like, it's just this terrible canned sound that is totally directionless and absolutely like grants this extra veneer of um, trashiness and artifice on top of everything else. And it just like, it really, it really sings for me, right? Like just the ways in which this movie both contends with and then breaks down like, traditional triple a blockbuster filmmaking in order to like to like present the like trash shadow of that really like rules i think yeah i would have i guess my one uh my one kind of the one kind of drawback to the the viewing that jason and i had the other day uh is that i we watched it like starting at one o'clock or something and it felt too early to like really drink some beers I, i think we did drink a beer too but like i really wanted a 40 uh, with this movie, I feel <laughs> yeah, like that would yeah. would have been the perfect uh, accompaniment uh, to this film, um, and and that it is, yeah. I mean, so the 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 trial on showing. I mean, how were people reacting to kind of the stuff going on? Was it uh, pretty chill, or were they kind of going along with the the vibe of the film, or how was it? No, I would say people picked up the energy really fast. First of all, I get the feeling that um, there were some like fans of the movie in attendance. Um, because a lot of people laughed at the John Waters introduction, which, you know, like veterans of the trilon such as ourselves are not as affected by because we've heard it so many times. Don't you, don't um, you feel, don't you feel like such a fucking weenie? You're like, yeah. ah, yeah, I know it's funny. Yes. Mevin Van Peebles is also very funny. Let's get yeah, on with the cool. movie. It's so fun to like <laughs> listen to the trilon virgins, like really lose their shit. At That's that a great movie. barometer. That is an <laughs> yeah. amazing brown. Like how many people came to see, just this specific film and you can oh, yeah, like, right. I mean, like yeah. when we went to Terminator two, like there was raucous applause and, and laughter at the mm-hmm. Melvin Van Peebles thing. Right. Because like all of those people were probably there for the first time. Um, whereas like when we're sitting on in fucking mirror, like, first of all, nobody's there. And second of all, like the people who are there are like not reacting to that because they're, you know, they're old hat. I've seen this 400 times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I, people picked up the energy really fast. People were like laughing and clapping and screaming and it was super fun. It was exactly the experience I wanted. And we saw it at seven o'clock. So it was like the perfect time. Um, I will say that like, I think it's probably because of the like, the John Woo action sequences, this movie in theaters especially felt longer than it actually was again, not in a bad way, not in a way that I'm like going to turn it like uh, against it for, but like it did not feel like it was only an 80 minute movie. It really felt like it was, if anything feature length or longer. Um, But again, not in a bad way, just in sort of a funny way. I I think maybe Jason disagrees, but I think this was a smooth, smooth couch watch. Uh, Very, very. Went down real nice. Yes, uh, it was. 
I don't know, like the fact that you and I have very like shared uh, cinema vocabulary, I guess, and and like we 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 talk about movies in a lot of the same ways, even if we don't think about them in the same ways, is like it made this really easy to watch and really easy to. I guess, you know, I didn't need 40s to be like really in the mood for this movie. I didn't, I sort of half knew what to expect. You told me to look up like the first sentence of the plot summary on Wikipedia and going in, I think that was just about as much as I needed to be prepared for like, okay, this is, I guess thinking back on it this way is like, that's the best example. That's the best, um, like evidence I can supply for this being like, maybe sort of that intentional what i what i didn't feel like maybe while watching it that intentional satirical um uh angle that this movie like seems to take is like if i can watch this movie and laugh at the editing and the plot uh contrivances and the characters and the blank 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 it's like nobody puts out a movie like this uh without realizing that some elements of it are are like laughable especially when it's in direct reference to something that like it's obviously leveraging a thing that people are going to have expectations about you're not making this and not thinking people are going to laugh when you know she pulls out her eyeball exactly like he did in terminator and just washes it off and plops it back in exactly the opposite <laughs> of terminator i don't know it was just there are a lot of moments like that that are like okay i feel the makers of this movie in front of me sort of pointing and showing me wasn't this like we did this instead of this or this is what was in the it was it was just a very or just like we replicated this you were a bunch of indonesian film we don't have the weight of hollywood and like we did this and like a lot of it looks really good yeah in comparison to that film like it is impressive in that manner yeah it's also just really fun right i this is sort of a slippery concept so i probably won't describe it very well but this is the sort of like movie that i really like in in the ironic sense that i don't think can really be made in like our weird post postmodern marvel landscape right because like there's something about the fact that like it obviously knows what it is but it never feels like it's condescending to the premise of what it is it's never winking in the sort of way that like self-consciously trashy movies wink now where like they Black think dynamite that, yeah yeah like they think that like being self-conscious and self-aware like it it elevates them beyond their their concept of trashiness and it, like it makes the movie something else and like this movie is not trying to not be trashy it's just having fun it's having a blast right and like it at no point does it think it's better than what it's portraying and th- i think that's what i really appreciate about this movie is that like when the when the characters on the beach are like pissing and moaning about how they need a woman and and like they're ridiculous like there's nothing there that's like making fun of the fact that dumb movies do this. It's just a dumb movie that's doing this. Right. And like, just like the main character, Max, like one of the funniest sequences in this entire movie is like when he's thinking about how he met his wife and the way that that works is that he met her in a bar and she gets accosted by some dudes and he beats up the dudes. It's like, this dude only has an action movie for a life. Harry, where did that, Hey, Harry, where was that bar? Was that in the United States? Was that in Indonesia? I think it was in New York city. It was supposed to be. Okay. But why did his friend show up? (laughs) I know it's fucking wild, dude. And like snake, which first of all, he has a character. There's a character named snake who's his best friend. He shows up and he's like, now that's what I call some police brutality. And like, everybody talks in the like rad 90s I, i'm a video game voice actor 
voice, uh, which is my favorite shit. I don't know, man. Like, I just like, oh, and then the way that it transitions out of that sequence is he's wistfully looking at a picture, but the first time we're introduced to this character, it doesn't show him enter this flashback. It cuts from, I believe, the um, the anthropologist to, like, these shots of New York City in, like, a helicopter, and then we're in this, like, Cheers-like bar. He beats up these dudes. He saves this girl. He's wearing this outrageous nerd nerdy outfit and then like we zoom into them together and then we zoom out we're back in indonesia we're in his office he's looking at a picture of this wife who is presumably and we find out later deceased but that is the only introduction we get to this character is it opens in media res inside of a flashback we zoom out the wife is never seen again it none of that matters he's now in indonesia doing this thing i mean you showed up tell. It's 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 classic screen. It's world yeah, building. It's, 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 yeah, uh, I I did the the may, maybe I know you were kind of shying away from making it a bigger discussion point, but like the the question of like authentic camp, I think is like actually yeah. something good. To, I've never been uh, more miserable in my entire life. Maybe this is going to sound kind of pretentious, but like uh, being on a vacation, I think it was Alaska uh, with my fiance and then my family and my parents watching the uh, Sharknado marathon uh, on TV. And just like th- these films that are, that are not actually campy, but, but solely dedicated to like recreating camp and like the lamest ways possible. Like, yeah, so oh, we got, yeah, we got a, we got a porn star to be the main character on uh, the CGI is bad. And like, we, it's like wha- everybody's it's wacky and it's just like, so uncomfortable just like there's there's you can't replicate this right and and it really needs to be something that like believes in itself and is not pretentious and i think as you said like not condescending towards the the people who like usually watch this stuff and the material that it's trying to imitate like i really hate like fake camp in that manner and which is why something like lady terminator i think also like the the john woo films as well um it is like it's not just like sincere. It's like enthusiastic about what it's doing exactly. in a manner that you, you can't replicate. Uh, you just, it just has to be like in the DNA of, of the film. Uh, in keeping with the tone of our podcast, I have to wonder if there is a certain like lack of ability to be capitalized upon, like lack of marketability to what we're calling authentic or like not false or self-referential camp. Like, you think about the Sharknado movies or any of the ones that have come out in the last pretty much 20 years. And there are very few, if any films that would come out without the promise of some return. Right. Um, the, a really like a really, a really interesting example of this is, um, the movie, uh, Samurai cop, an actual like 1991 super cheesy movie, um, which a friend of the pod, uh, Matt Stolpe showed me, um, when I was an intern with him back in 2014, I don't remember much about that movie or its sequel, um, which is, which was then created in 2015. So literally more than 20 years later, they created another movie and used the same tune and the same, like, uh, you know, general tone and, and process and story and characters and stuff, uh, to make another movie in the same vein, but without sort of realizing that the time of the authenticity of those tropes of that kind of movie of that like cheese had sort of passed and now it was maybe a little bit passe it was it's it's more annoying like aaron said um you know there are countless countless examples of that that just like movies that tap into or try to tap into uh particularly an aged form of that camp where it was like the camp that these 
uh, movies exhibited that they were like pictures of was not, um, you know, we know that people like this, so we're going to make it because it's camp. It was, we're making a thing. And then later that became described as camp, you know, it's prescriptivism versus descriptivism. Again, again, we're back on like, in wait, our- should I watch Samurai Cop then? Is this a recommendation or is the, it well, sucks? The, I, w- I would the original. Uh, it's a good time. Um, the re or excuse me, the sequel, you might not have as much fun with, but you might as well complete the duology, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you guys both characterized it really well. I think that introducing marketability and um, capitalizing on camp is a really smart distinction, Jason. Um, I just think that like in, in this day and age, especially Sharknado is a really excellent example. Like I think that the filmmakers who are making those movies think they're better than the assignment, right? Like, and I don't even necessarily blame them, but they were probably like either a studio or a network or, or somebody was like, Hey, we're going to make a self-consciously trashy movie in order to sort of tap into this market. But these are people who are entering this market with a goal in mind. They're entering to capitalize on it. Right. And they're not thinking like, this is something I love. This is, this is something that I really want to make. This is the sum of my abilities. They're probably cashing a paycheck. Right. And I really think it shows. I really think that when you like, when you think you're better than the assignment, when you think you're better than camp, it it shows up like it, there's a self-consciousness and a winking quality to the movies that make it, um, that, that make it less fun. And like this movie, there is absolutely no semblance of self-consciousness. I would argue there, there's a difference, right? There's a difference between knowing what you are and being self-conscious about what you are. And this movie just exalts in having fun in a way that I feel like a movie that's trying to be commercial, that's trying to be something to all people can't be right. Like I, there really wouldn't be, I mean, like there's, there's even a sort of funny, ironic, like feminism to this movie, right. Where like the ways in which women are exploited in this movie are so much more honest and make this movie feel more feminist than like a pointedly sort of like subversive trying to be feminist, uh, campy take would be right. Where it's like, this lady Terminator is just a badass. Like there's no, there's no tragic backstory to the self sea queen. There's no like sense in which she was a victim once and she's reclaiming her femininity. It's like, no, she just eats people's dicks, dude. She's just a badass. And, and like, she's the Terminator and she's unstoppable. And it's like, there there's something about that. There's something about like the commitment to the bit that becomes trend. Like it transcends self-consciousness that I really um, respond to. And it's the sort of thing where like, you can't really, it's difficult to describe, but you can, you really know it when you see it. Right. And I see it in the five minute music video in the 20 minute police chase scene. And in the fact that all of the characters, the, the main characters that are so doomed to fight this Terminator are so obviously like, making fun of uh, Predator or like Machismo movies like that. Like literally we get a scene where like Snake gets in this APC and he he's charging around and every time it cuts to him, he's like, fucking A, hell yeah, let's go. You know, it's, it's yes. cool. <laughs> uh, that that scene, I, I, I did want to maybe bring up just going around and sharing some of the favorite bits. I don't know whether that's uh, cheesy or not, but I, no, I did. No, uh, I'm ready for that. One of the one of the <laughs> one of the best bit. It's impossible to describe. So hopefully listeners have actually watch this movie. I got to imagine they have um, the, the, the scene, the scene where they the helicopter like drops a net onto the lady Terminator, who's now like like blown up, right? And, and looks kind of like a, you know... She looks like the lady from Mulholland Drive. 
Uh, yes, uh, I said. I said to Jason, "Yes, is that a thing from behind Winkies?" Uh, and he laughed quite a bit. Um, but yes, it and it, it, you know, it it picks. It uses the net to pick Lady Terminator up into the air, and Lady Terminator struggling. And there's like a single shot of like all like the dude bros uh, down like on the ground at the airport, like cheering and like you know having a good time. And then you just it cuts back to it, and it just looks straight up and shoots lasers out of its eyes and blows up the helicopter. And the reaction shots of everybody back on the ground is like the most solemn like and and then i think one of the characters said like that was my friend (laughs) no he was was my my buddy that was yes (laughs) and and it's so good man it's like yeah i i that was definitely one of the best uh the the question that, that jason and i had while watching the film was like how would how would just getting your dick cut off actually kill you like how do these people actually die you know like it's it's really not explained at like immediately, like they immediately die, right? Yeah, I guess. I guess if you're, hmm, I don't know if I want to go there, but yes, I, I can see it. It's just as uh, delight, delightfully cheesy. I think. Uh, I have to point out, and it is not like a funny downbeat, but it is just, I guess, in the moment, it, it's it's easy to notice. Um, there's a scene where before things really pop off, uh, and Max is at the police station in Indonesia, and his uh you know, fellow detectives and cops are headed out to investigate, to go to, um, to check out the bodies that have recently been found washed up without penises. And, uh, and they're, I forget how they get onto it, but they decide that like the only thing they're going to be able to eat, like what, what's there to eat is hot dogs. And they just, talk, <laughs> they just talk about hot dogs for about 45 seconds. And they're like, we, the quote is we've seen more dead bodies than you've eaten hot dogs. So shut up and eat. And shut then they and go, and and the and the fucking uh guy at the morgue, the the undertaker coroner, whatever guy, is just like sloppily eating hot dogs the whole time. And it's like this is this is one of those moments where if no if for no other reason than for the filmmaker to be pointing at you and saying, like, ah, get it? Get it, hot dogs, right? It it really like that worked on me really, really strongly. And the only other point I was gonna bring up was um the damn my bud moment because <laughs> it is so it's so like like it is pulled directly from a Wes Anderson film is what it is. It's just so like funnily, not a, like a humorous moment. And yet it like, it elicits the strongest laugh you possibly can. Uh, I was, I was quite entertained. Um, Harry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just gonna, I, I have a bunch of favorite moments, right. But like, it's, it's worth noting that like alongside that hot dog thing, like how sexualized this movie is at all points, like, especially the first act when it's like incredibly objectifying of Barbara and constable. Um, and not, not necessarily in a, in a terrible way. Right. Like I don't, this is a sexist movie obviously because it's like a ridiculous over the top, like glorification of objectification of women. But like the, the early scenes, especially they like have what has to be like a self-conscious, like, porno quality to them right where like especially when barbara ann constable the anthropologist is talking to the old man in the library and she's wearing this like orange tank top and like they must have filled her bra because her her boobs excuse me are like gigantic in that scene and she's talking in this like really breathy quality and she's like i'm an anthropologist and it's like every time she's on scene 
even before her transformation, it's like that. It's like, she's like this, this like sexy co-ed, right? And like, they really lean into that where like, everybody is flirting with her. She's flirting with everybody. And it's like, oh no, like, how could this possibly, how could there be a worse person for the, the queen of the South Sea to get her grasp on, right? And like, there's a funny commentary on like, um, appropriating culture where like she's a white anthropologist and obviously she gets possessed by this Indonesian legend. Um, but one of my favorite sequences from the first um, act of this movie, which is, it's a weird one to bring up, but it, I, I laughed so hard is when she is going scuba diving to retrieve the dagger or whatever from the lost civilization. And she, she dives under the water. She's down there for like 15 seconds and we're just at the surface of the water and the, the, oh, yes. Boatman is just watching. Then she comes back up and she's coughing and she's like, my aqua lung didn't work right. And he's like, here, let me check something. And then he like twists something. And then she goes back down there and you think that's going to be Chekhov's uh, aqua lung, right? No. Like, oh, sure. That was introduced for a purpose. Never comes up again. That was just like 40 seconds. It's like a 45 second distraction. Yeah, just dead air in the middle of the movie for absolutely no reason. It's so funny. I just like, why, why, why was that there? Like, it doesn't make any sense. But, uh, and then the fact that that um, also like leads right into sequences underwater where everything is in first person because they obviously didn't have the budget or technology to actually film someone scuba diving. So it's just like, it's all POV and we never see POV shots again, but it's just like we're underwater and the camera is Barbara Ann and it's very funny. It is uh, inimitable. Well, yeah, they do it. No, they do have P- not to contradict, but they do have POV shots uh, later in the film during the, the police station. Uh, oh, that's right. They, yeah, do, they do the Terminator, but like they don't, they don't have like a, you know, like a UI on screen showing the target outline. No, no, it's just it's slight just red fisheye lens. Yeah. Right. And it's like, wait, are, does the lady Terminator have a vision problem? Like, why is her vision affected in this way? She's it evil. Doesn't... She's, evil. <laughs> She's possessed by the South Sea Queen. That, that explains it, I, I think. I, I don't know. Like, to point to Harry's point about it, it obviously being like over objectified to a point of like comedy in, you, you could call it comedy. Like, there is. I think it's the scene after she removes her eye or maybe just before, but she's just sitting there in her hotel room, which apparently she's managed to get into and out of without being detected. Uh, she's sitting in her hotel room, um, you know, mostly in the nude, at least topless and this zapping like overlay, this green overlay that indicates her, I guess, evil nature and connection with the past uh, is like engulfing her face and eyes and her gaze seems to have like, uh, you know, some sort of plasmic power. And then like you get a, a wider shot of once the <laughs> once the bellboy comes into the room to deliver her food and just is immediately in bed with her uh, where like in this wide shot, just suddenly also her breasts are engulfed in this green zapping energy. I don't know. Like, like Harry said, just, just why, like, is there, is there purpose to these? No. Is there, is, are you calling attention to like a sexualized portion of the character? Probably. But like, you've done that in so many other ways. You went the extra mile in this case. Um, and also like, I think it's in that very same scene, Jason, which first of all, the bus boy, like she does a gesture, like a come hither with her hand. And he just like has the dumbest, biggest, goofiest grin on his face as he like rips off his clothes to, to, uh, sleep with this stranger. Uh, very funny, but also like there's, there's a scene in that, in that moment when 
we like pan down from her, the lady Terminator's face down her body. And the camera just stops on, and I'm sorry to, to work blue here, but like literally just stops at her nipple for like yeah. a full three count and then cuts away. And like, there was absolutely no purpose to that shot, except to literally show this woman's breasts on camera. And there's something almost delightfully like, like transparent about that. Right. Um, I would also like to say, and like, this is a weird, I'm not trying to defend this movie. Like, I think that, that if you're um, offended by like the overt objectification and sexualization of women, like this is obviously doing that, but like, there's, there's like a, um, a love of like aggressive female sexuality that is not like feminist per se, but it, it like reminds me of the, like the different kind of objectification that like a Yakatero or like uh, the Chainsaw Man writer might do where like this guy is just like clearly horned about like domineering women. And like there is a part of him that is like very fascinated by and excited by the idea of an unstoppable woman who wants to chop his dick off. Right. Like that, that is just like, it's, it's kind of a Kojima thing too. Right. Like where, where it's just like, it's not good because it's like, it is still a fetishization of women, but like, there, there's something about the like his his like his weird glee at being sort of dominated that pervades this movie that I found very funny and very honest in a funny way. One of the purest and most fun examples of that I can think of is uh, the author and artist of the mangaka, I guess, of um, of Doro Hidoro, Kyu Hajihira. Yeah, uh, she she is obsessed with the female form in like a very. I I want them stronger and bigger than me type way. That is just, I mean, it rings through the entire manga uh, and yes. and really speaks to like that that same like that same Yoko Taro like I just enjoy the female form kind of and like there's there's a line there which I'm not going to try and play with of like there there's a there's obviously a creepy negative objectification aspect yes. to that but also like that incredible honesty when pulled through an entire piece is something to discuss I think. Um, well, and like there there's something that like there's nothing punitive about the sexuality in this movie, right? Like at, at no point is anybody punished for sexuality except for the men who sleep with the self sea queen. And even in that case, it's more funny than it is punishing. Like, I don't think that this movie is ever at any point saying like, be careful about who you have sex with. Right. Like it's not, it's not an AIDS metaphor. It's not anything like that. It's just like, right. Once, it's, once, it's funny yeah. when super horny guys get their quote unquote comeuppance because their dicks get chomped. Right. But like, Max and the the granddaughter have sex and it's fine. And like, she is never punished for her overt sexuality. And like, nobody is right. Like there, there's some sense in which it's like that, that honesty allows you to escape from the sort of like weird shame based, like prototypically Christian, like, um, uh, punishment of sexuality that makes for something that's a lot more refreshing, I guess, even if it is sort of trafficking in objectification. Yeah. Um, there might be something to be said too, about the fact that like the curse that kicks it off is a punishment of a removal of power from the queen yeah. of South sea, right? Like the man, her, you know, mate, whatever he is to her removes that, uh, you know, nullifies it. And she goes into, you know, ethereal hiding or whatever. She just like gets, gets moody and, and runs away <laughs> for 300 years or whatever it is. And some, um, uh, some internalized misogyny in the sense that she goes after a granddaughter. Why did, why did she go after a granddaughter? Yeah. Why, yeah. Why she's 
she is not she is not your enemy queen of the south sea uh i wish i could say that it is time for the next segment of our show but as uh as we always do we like to reserve that for when our uh our boy cody is actually here i apologize again uh more motorists it is a great day but very smoggy um and so i will let that be our uh way to power down unless we have great more points to go through any spare thoughts or anything we didn't cover on this episode so far there are just like a lot of really funny scenes to talk about i think don't don't you think like i just think that especially like the ending is really good it's so funny uh like they really take everything to the nth degree and i don't know i just like this is just a very fun movie to watch it was very funny um i really like the song uh i'm repeating myself now so i guess i am done but um yeah i i really like this one <laughs> did, did we look to see if the song is available literally anywhere else i, Ooh, I uh, found a video on, on youtube it says edited remaster it's probably just trimmed together from the movie i plan yeah. to figure out how to put it at the end of this episode it's good i mean it's yeah, it is. That that scene was the one where I was like, oh, they are just copying. <laughs> like, obviously, they were cop- copying Terminator before this, but like that was the well, one where it's yeah. like, okay, they have a nightclub scene. They're going to have a well, car chase. They're he gonna have he a- even says, like, come with me if you want to live. Like, yes. they, they really killed the lily on this. We were, yeah. we were joking about it before. We were like, is he going to say it? And then he said it, and it was like kind of blink if you miss it kind of a thing. Like, it definitely wasn't as, you Yeah, know, it's a little uh, buried under the audio, but yeah, it's, yes. it's there. I mean, cannot stress enough how much if you've seen this – if you've seen the Terminator, you will just like point at the screen and say, aha, I get it. If even if you didn't, though, I think you're still probably going to have a good time. Um, uh, okay, there's yeah. also the, the eyeball cutting scene, which is like it, t- to me, it was like a, a hilarious commentary on body horror because it's like so over the top and they like really show everything. And it, it is like genuinely awful to watch. Right. Like it was genuinely like really sickening, but Pretty like gross. in a really funny way, I thought. Uh, it is also funny that when she puts it back into her face, it is literally just like some wet flank steak or something that's cupped in her hands. Yes. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, yeah, from that, from that perspective, from the, uh, you know, exploitation, um, like self-referential, uh, like look at this, how gross it is angle. It does work. Uh, but even at that is like, okay, whether or not they meant it to be this goofy, it is just a joy to watch. Um, supposedly was a, a goat's eye you will be surprised to learn it was not a, her actual human eye oh. uh, they were doing that too yeah so oh goat. wow so this special is like effects a yeah i'd allow thing i butchered yeah. that pronunciation but you did I, but cool. there is uh there is no no truth in cinema anymore i just want to point out that the film poster uh the she mates then she terminates lady terminator poster um makes it appear as though lady terminator is actually going to have sex with a woman because there's like a dagger strike through uh her own barbara and Con- conway um her through her own body on the front of this as she's splayed out being nearly attacked by the snake that you know turns her into lady terminator i did not notice that until just now but it is a strangely misleading movie poster uh how in, good is the tagline she mates then she terminates by the way really Seriously, classic just classic person who came up with that deserves a pension for the rest of their life uh this has been our episode about lady terminator 1988 it was showing at the trial on you can find it 
I mean, just go find it on the internet. It's somewhere. Um, but, uh, I hope that you, uh, enjoy it like we did, um, or whatever. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life. My name is Jason. Uh, this is Trilove. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and Trilon.org. Get tickets to movies that are uh, showing there. We cover them. Um, so go see them and then go listen to our episode the following Tuesday, every Tuesday. Man, I'm proud of how we've stuck to that schedule with, uh, amazing accuracy, couple times we've missed or skipped we definitely haven't recently missed the tuesday date we've okay. nope. <laughs> say all, maybe a week or two ago <laughs> uh well every week then uh we have uh done every week uh but that is uh, our show uh my name is jason daphnis you can find me on twitter at nintendoofus uh yeah i would just like to add that lately this has been happening as we've gone into the theater more uh and at the top of the show we always say this is a show about um movies we see and people we meet at the trilon and we've met some people which is really cool yes. uh and jason and i are terribly self-conscious terribly socially awkward people well i don't want to speak for you jason but i certainly am that's fine and so like Oftentimes, if you meet us in person, we may be somewhat standoffish. That is not because of you, and it's not because we're not pleased to see you. It's just because we are uh, awkward moviegoer people, and just generally. So if you ever feel so inclined to say hello to us, you already have because you already know us and we don't have any new listeners. But in the extreme off chance that you have never met us and you listen to the podcast and you come to the Trilon sometimes – uh, feel free to say hi, uh, because that's super gratifying and exciting for us and, you know, et cetera. That's kind of what it's all about. Um, I've been Harry Mack and you can find me on Twitter at Jadakieri. And now uh, the only guy who can't fulfill that whole spiel, uh, give us your outro. I was going to say, if you do see me out in the wild, I will be standoffish. Uh, if you, if you meet me at the other end of a very long bridge, uh, you know, that, that goes across a chasm, a deep chasm. Uh, I will be forced to fight you until one of us uh, remains. Aaron, well, also, so yeah, he, we, should, we probably should have mentioned that at the top. Aaron is the Highlander. Uh, uh, yes. He always carries he always carries two broadswords, one for him and one for his opponent, so he has a fair fight. Um, right, that's, but there can be only one. So if you do meet, it, do not cross eyes, do not make eye contact with Aaron because he will he will take that. I as will a slay moment. you. Yes, or maybe be slain myself, but no, no, no man nor woman has uh, risen to the task yet. How um, is that going, Aaron? How how close are you to the quickening? Would you say? Uh, very, very closer every day. Mm. Closer every day. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, my name's Aaron. Uh, find me on Twitter uh, at RB, please. Uh, and go check out Lady Terminator if you haven't seen it. I don't know why I said that. You you must have seen it. But hey, good movie, right, guys? Great movie. I wish we had something pithy to say at the end here, but tasteful silence. Yeah, Cody. Yeah, Cody. Cody's not. Pretend Cody what said is, something here. What's the funniest movie. thing that Snake says? He has a lot of really funny lines. Most of them include the B word. But uh, are there any that don't and are very funny? I I don't know. The one that you mentioned where he says, now that's what I call some police brutality is very funny because <laughs> there's no innuendo there at all. Like you'd think, you'd think that he would say like, now that's what I call tough guy. That's what I call action movie or something like yeah, that. He just also, says, that's what I call a description of what just happened. <laughs> yeah, and it's also how you introduce that Max is a cop. We didn't know he was a cop until he <laughs> says that was some police brutality. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how we would end this movie, except with the revving engines of the cars outside my window. Uh, Cody, come back. We miss you. <laughs> <laughs>